गया हूं हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द क्राइस्ट चर्च फॉक्स चैपल पॉडकास्ट द फास्टेस्ट ग्रोइंग कंसर्वेटिव इवेंजेलिकल कैरिस्मेटिक पॉडकास्ट इन द एंटायर फॉक्स चैपल एरिया I'm joined today by two gentlemen that together make me into what Debbie Howson now calls the three amigos. Hello, Ooh. gentlemen. Ooh, thanks, do Debbie. Two more plus one to make three. I'm teaching my son that right now. Two plus one makes three. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so I, we are the three because you two are here with me. Yes, I think the math adds up. It does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Debbie. So unless then the party tells us that you know two add one is four. Uh, we're not going to go there. Yeah. We're just not going to go down the Orwellian hole. We've got enough scriptural Tor- rabbit holes. Two plus one, yeah. Let's go. All right, Isaiah fifty-two, and a little bit of fifty-three, and uh, we're looking today at the rejected servant, hmm. which is just the rejection of this king who comes to save us, and our response and rejection of 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 him and all that he's trying to do for us. It's a wonderful passage for Lent. Hmm. Can I read it? Would you be so kind? All right. Is that okay, Ben? I'm taking, I know you've I, read. I, gladly. Please. All right. Behold, my servants shall act wisely, and he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thanks, Ben. I mean, just as you read that, it, it's, it's so striking to see how high he is and how everything he is and what he does for us and our response to him. It's, it's absolutely choking, isn't it, when you, when you see uh, wha- what happens to him and, and to be more um, active, what we did to him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the contrast in this passage uh, where verse 13 
52, he's, he's exalted and high and lifted up. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he's cast down and he's marred beyond human semblance and he's uh, a man of sorrows. And like that seems to be a contradiction there, but somehow Jesus is the one who bears them at the same time. Yeah, because you could think, oh, well, that's, um, you know, Holy Week. You could think that that is Palm Sunday and this triumphal entry followed by the cross. But it's it's all the cross, isn't it, that's being talked about yeah. here? Yeah. 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 Can I go down a little bit of a biblical theological rabbit trail? I have this? a feeling that Do that's it. what this is. Because this, really, this gets me really exciting. This gets me going. All right, let's hear so, it. So, okay. <laughs> what you can't do is do a crescendo. <laughs> okay, this yeah. won't be a crescendo. This is a, a nerd out moment. Just right, be kind of monotone out. while you do uh, it. So Isaiah and, and the Gospel of John, I think, have a lot of significant connections. And Isaiah, when we read about that verse 13, he shall be high and lifted up. I think that's a very explicit callback to Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah the prophet has this vision of God in the temple, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. And that's in contrast to all these other idols in the chapters before that that were trying to be high and lifted up, but God cut them down. Hmm. And God is the one who is high and lifted up. And here, the servant is high and lifted up. And uh, that's his exaltation, but it's through suffering and affliction and rejection and bearing our sins. Then the Gospel of John, which I think is our Gospel reading today, or this this week. Um, Let me flip to it real quick. But but John... John 12. John 12. 27 to 33. Jesus speaks several times about his death, his crucifixion, as being a lifting up. Yeah. John 12, uh, 32. And, when, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw mm. all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So, like, there's these connections about how the one who is high and lifted up is Yahweh, the king of glory, the one who is exalted from before all creation. And it's the servant who suffers, and it's the, the one who takes up the mantle of the divine glory of being high and lifted up. And it's Jesus who's saying this is how he's going to die and hmm. being high and lifted up on the cross in particular. It's like you have those two poles, those two opposites, and then they're li- Jesus in Jesus they're like laid over each other. Like uh, he's exalted and marred beyond human likeness at the same time. Like to be marred is to be exalted is a, uh, kind of... I, th- I think for Jesus, yes, in particular. Like yeah. there was something about the, the cross that was the glory of God fully revealed, mm. I think. Thou preach. Uh, what's cool is I was just going over the Good Friday sermon, and um, get my text is uh, is the crucifixion of in John. Mm. So thank you, Ben. Do I have a Good Friday sermon? Uh, you have two. Oh, man. i got to get on that. Yeah. I have five. (laughs) 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 Man, I got the I got the good end of the steel, didn't I? (laughs) I have five sort of small sermons. Okay, you have a whopper. A whopper. All right. I mean, this this is going to be, I think, probably the hardest podcast that we've done because it's such a serious passage and it's such a it's such a deep passage. So much. It is. It is really key to everything Mm. in in our Christian faith. I think. Um. Uh, so appearance, uh, for instance, this comes up a couple of times. Okay, so the appearance is marred beyond human semblance. So there's mm. a dehumanizing uh, wrecking of Christ's 
uh, humanity. I mean, yeah. he's treated. You often hear this, don't you? Um, you know, we were just reading the remarks from our bishop about uh, the genocide in Rwanda in the 90s yeah. and how dehumanizing language was used by um, the, the, uh, the Hutu tribe to, to dehumanize the Tutsi yeah. tribe. His image is marred yeah. and, and just wrecked. But then we pick up on, on the image and what he looked like a, a little bit later in, in, in chapter, well, early in chapter 53, he had no form of majesty that we should look at him. So th- it's there's nothing. Even like before he was marred, right? He was not anything special or like. He was a bloke. Exceptional. Yeah. 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 Not much of an oil painting. Like he was a <laughs> bloke, and and you know we draw these pictures of Jesus, hmm. but some of them are absurd. I mean, th- there was one here in this church I got here. I mean, it was sort of like a bad 1950s Brad Pitt. Mm. With like really white teeth, it was a California Jesus. Is it like Robert Redford? Yeah, but with like beach bum haircuts. It was just like okay, Robert Redford has a beach bum haircut. I guess he does. Yeah, yeah. but uh, sorry. Yeah, hold on. (laughs) Yeah, is he still even alive? Yeah, Robert. He's still rocking. Is he? Yeah, he's still. But um, pretty thinning. Yeah. But you know. We like this idea of celebrity and what people look like, and we like to look up to, to these beautiful people. And we're being told here, no, 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 it's not the, the sort of beauty of his physical appearance that's the big deal about Christ Jesus. And indeed, that which is just ordinarily human is marred mm-hmm. and dehumanized. Hmm. Yep. Despised and rejected by men. That's an awful it, thought. It, yeah, and there's a lot of this. It's unclear in... Isaiah's prophetic timeline, like, are we talking about the cross in particular? Are we talking about Jesus' ministry uh, in general? Mm-hmm. You know, because he was rejected. He was despised throughout yeah. his time in his ministry in three years. But then it all kind of culminated in the moment of the cross. And he was, you know, fully there, despised and rejected, acquainted with grief. Uh, men hid their faces from him. Yeah. We esteemed him not. So... You know, does it? I don't know if it matters at the end of the day. Are we talking about his ministry or are we talking about the cross? Because they're all one and the same. I, I'm glad you said that because I think we see yeah. this a lot, don't we? In in scripture, how you can have this thing that appears almost multiple times at multiple mm-hmm. fulfillments of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, all over the place, and then you s- realize that the thing that things that are fulfilling it are kind of like multiple layers of the same thing. Right. Yeah, like because it's not like Jesus was just like going around and had this, like, everything was hunky-dory and everyone liked him, and then, whoops, like, he got crucified. Like, no, his whole life was, like, pointed toward the cross. So it's, yeah. like, it's it's all in the whole life. His whole life is the cross. Yeah. Yeah, a cruciform life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you start with the incarnation, and uh, y- you look at, that's a humility already. Yeah. Well, yeah. being born... Anyway, if he'd been born in a palace, that would have been humble for God. Yes. Um, even worse than a palace, even worse than, you know, a national health service birthing center. He's <laughs> born in, you know, a barn or whatever, yeah. some ordinary place with animals. And yep. that's like the high point. Like right there. Keep it's downhill from there. there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like we keep referencing Philippians 2 in this passage, mm-hmm. in this series, 
of the uh, the servant of it's loomed, like hasn't it? I I've never seen scripture loom before, but yeah. I feel as though it's been. I it's feel like in most of our sermons uh, throughout this series, it's been brought up and it keeps being brought up in con- conversation. But the that idea of Jesus being exalted as God, but did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped or exploited, but humbled himself, taking the form of human and uh, human person, then to the form of a slave, a servant. Yeah. And, and humble himself death. even to the point of death on and the then cross. He, yeah, and then even, on, yeah. So, like, it keeps going lower and lower and lower. Yeah, and yeah. through that, out of that, he's exalted to the right hand of God because of what he's done uh, and what he's gone through in this humiliation. Do you have a theological nugget for us, Hughes? No, I'm, I'm actually just really listening to what you're saying in that. And I was just thinking about how we tend to emulate and mimic our heroes. And how, um, how like, how difficult of a, how hard, how hard sometimes it is for Jesus to have Jesus, to actually hold to Jesus as your hero. I think this is why idolatry is so appealing to us because we want heroes who will take us up. Um, but Jesus, following Jesus forces you to like hang into the messiness of reality and, and he's, he's always going down because the down the way down is the way up and so it's yeah following him's not like it's hard but glorious i guess amen you you really put something in my mind to think you know we tend to try and dress like or look like people we admire and we we copy their fashion we copy their hair if we knew what jesus looked like w- there'd be there'd be a christian haircut <coughs> like you know we would do that and and of course then that's a sort of fun point to make um, but then you start to think a lot about about people from different countries. And y- if Jesus, you know, we knew exactly what he looked like and his skin color was this or his height was that or whatever, it, it, that would be quite difficult for people, wouldn't it? You know, like, wow, you know, I'm closer to Jesus because guess what? You know, well, he was a Lancastrian. Well, he was, he was Jewish, but it's I think he was a Lancastrian. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. You there it is. We said it, guys. Careful. But saying he was like what? By all the people from Yorkshire, they'd be furious <laughs> <laughs> to know that Jesus was like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, go on. I, 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 well, ma- I mean, maybe there's something to that. To like, you know, <laughs> why you know you've had anti-Semitism be such a historic thing. Oh. Uh, now okay. I'm from. Now I'm going out of the realm of anything authoritative and purely, you know, flag. This has just been speculating, but uh, T.F. Torrance once had this point, so I can I can rest on that. that he said, like, uh, you know, the Jews are this people that were shaped by this divine encounter so much, mm. um, and he just kind of wondered, like, I wonder if that's part of the reason that well historically they've been so hated yes and whose people are they they're god's chosen people and what happens to god he gets rejected and marred and and killed so i mean that's fascinating that's i mean that's all part of the same discussion you would think wouldn't you Hmm. that you know nothing bad would ever happen to the jews yeah because of who they are and yet what we find is there's persecution yeah and we expect I think we just have this implicit expectation that Christianity will make us comfortable and happy. Right. And, but if you're if you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for security, 
look where it led Jesus. Right. So if it happened like, to the Jews and it happened to Jesus, <laughs> yeah, you know, it happened to. Yeah, I think C.S. Lewis once said, "If you're if you're looking for a religion to make you comfortable, I certainly wouldn't recommend Christianity." <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It, it's not something that will lead you to the happy, comforting life. It's something that will lead you to the cross again and again and again. Yeah. I, that's the that I think as we're reading this passage, one of the things that was just quite shocking for us as he read it so slowly. Ben, is that, that I start to think, "Wow, he did this to me. I did that to him." And and that same strange um, uh, antinomy that's going on here is going on in me. In that, mm. uh, you know, I'm not called to this comfort, and yet I am brought into the throne room of, of God, like Isaiah is in, in chapter 6. Yeah. And I've got these filthy lips, like you find in that passage. And, 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 you know, God says, who will go out for me? And I go, here I am, send me. And suddenly I'm now working for the firm. And it's like, what? How did that happen? How did... And it's that same topsy-turvy thing yeah, of, yeah. of having this great honor coupled with actually rejection and shame. And to me, that's one of the things that marks Christianity is true. Because... <laughs> Man sh- would not have thought it up, like right. It, it's not something that is in our image and in our likeness because it's not something that would ever uh, make us comfortable or or make us feel necessarily good on any given day. But like it, it's of God and it's bigger than me and it's something that I'm invited into and I can't control and I can't grasp onto fully. But but God invites me into this. Uh, that that to me is just a sign of it. It's truth because it's not something I could have invented. There was a blog. Sorry, I'm going to add some levity because uh, that's so good. But it it's reinforcing your point. I promise. Um, there's a blog called Stuff White People Like that came out uh, <laughs> a while a while ago, and like number five <laughs> was like um, uh, parent religions that their parents hate, and it was like preferably if you can get some like cute Buddha statues to put around your house, uh, w- like white people really like that, and um, and the other qualification of the religion is that it requires absolutely nothing of you, um, <laughs> and it was like I was just in it. It you're I think you're right. Like Christianity is not what I would have made up for myself because like no. it's it's this path of self abdication, um, out of born out of love and right. My and like I would I would invent something that like uh, was self aggrandizing mm. and uh convenient. So it's um Well why is it that the kings here in verse fifteen are shutting their mouths? You know, are the kings turning their noses up at Jesus? Is that what's going on? Or are the kings thinking, oh, this is a much better leader than me? Hmm. Or or is it both? Is it that they're, they're appalled by him, but slowly it dawns on them, hang on a minute, that's a real king? Yeah, it might be both. I In the, in the context of him being marred, I might think it would be more about uh, that they kind of turn up their nose at him and... Uh, kind of saying this guy, this humiliation is far below me, and hmm. um, even though he's he's sprinkling right. many nations uh, with his blood, which I think kind of draws back to that Levitical uh, cleansing uh, of the priests with the blood of the sacrifice, and um, but they were afraid of him. Yeah, I mean, why why do all these oppressive regimes 
tried to kill Christ? Mm. Why do they try to remove Christ from the discourse? Uh, yeah. They're afraid of him. Yeah. I mean, mm. they're not kings necessarily. They might be, you know, presidents or parties or whatever, regimes we've called them, dictatorships. Why do they always go for the religion? Well, it, he's threatening. Why, yeah, is, it, why so. is a bloody man on a cross threatening? What's so threatening mm. about a man whose entire existence is about submitting to saving you? Mm. And I, I think that's where, I mean, I've said often that our, our faith is very political. It's not partisan, but it is political and that yeah, it impacts how we interact with the polis, the state, uh, and the mm. culture. And from the beginning, Christianity has been about proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Mm. And that the my allegiance, my first allegiance is to Jesus over and against anything else that would claim my allegiance or loyalty, yeah. whether it's my, my country or whatever it else it is. So it is a threat, I think, to, to governments and to regimes, especially that try to be authoritarian yeah. and try to claim the souls of their people in a lot of ways. Because it calls Jesus won't have that. Yeah, it calls them to question the claims that, the, that authorities have upon people and to some yeah. extent. This is your primary allegiance. Yeah. Hmm. There's so many things we could go into. Um, I don't know if there's a last word that you want to get into. This is, I mean, this is one of those ones that I think could consume our afternoon. For sure. Yeah, I, I just on that <laughs> idea of allegiance, okay. like looking at, reading into that, this passage, uh, that my allegiance belongs to a bloodied and marred and humiliated man upon a cross. And hmm. just thinking this is our God and this is our Savior, the one who, who died for us, the one to whom I owe everything because of what he has done for me. And he is humiliating and he is rejected and despised. And uh, am I sure that I want to give my allegiance to him? <laughs> and what does that mean to give my allegiance to him? What's that mean for how I look to the world? I think the implications of that are profound and far-reaching, and sometimes I'm scared to ask those questions. Yeah, me too. I mean, you put a quarter in him, and he and he will do a crescendo. He's, he's fantastic, but it's true. <laughs> it's it's true. good stuff. But he's like clockwork. Thank you for joining us. This has been a podcast of Christchurch Vox Chapel. God bless.